Hey, my lovely ladies, before the show starts, I'm looking for some more six and seven figure female founders and CEOs to interview. So please go to www.twwguest.com to apply. In today's episode, we're interviewing Starlight Mundy, a business strategist who helps her clients who are expert coaches, established consultants, and published thought leaders blast through the obstacles of working super hard, but feeling like they're not getting enough juice for the squeeze. Today, she's taking us behind the scenes of her life-threatening accident at age 21 and how instead of derailing her big life plans, instead it had taught her the most valuable lesson. This should be a really amazing episode. Welcome, Starlight. Thank you so much for having me, Jackie. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, we're so excited to have you. So we want to get right to it. Oh my gosh, what was this accident? Tell us a little bit about that and ultimately, what was this lesson? Yeah, so I was my freshman year in college, rocking through my degree, and I was in a really bad car accident, and it was a total fluke, and I nearly died. Um, and then in the process, had to do a lot of therapy, et cetera, et cetera. But what it really did at that at that really tender stage of life is that it completely derailed my plans for my education and my profession and where I thought I was headed. Um, I knew what I wanted to do. And at that time, I was studying digital multimedia. It was, I don't want to give away my age here, but it was when their digital multimedia was like a, a education level that was only offered by like five different schools in the nation. And it was really early on in the tech world, but I knew it was my place because it combined my superpowers, which were tech and creativity, right? And so I was like, I want to be an artist, but I also uh, want to have a future looking opportunity in order to build it. Anyways, I was in this really bad car accident and I was in the hospital for about a week afterwards. And what was crazy is that the day after I ended up in the hospital, someone who had the same demographic as me, same age, same astrological sign, same major, was in a car accident and passed. And I was laying there in the hospital being like, what the hell is this all about? Like, how how did this happen to me? How come I survived? How come he didn't? Mm -hmm. Inevitably, that, that accident led to financial problems. It meant I had to drop out of college and that my big path of like, education, amazing, epic career had kind of all disappeared in a matter of months, right? And yet this idea that I was building towards, and it's so funny because I, I look back at the dreams that I had when I was 21 and they seem so small in comparison to where I am now these days, but, mm -hmm. but it never occurred to me in that moment, despite mourning the experience of that moment and kind of having very much an existential crisis and like, who am I and what am I meant to do in the world? And my perspective on my spirituality changed, my perspective on like purpose changed, but it never occurred to me for a minute that as a result of my losing this particular path that I was on, that my outcomes needed to change at all. I simply said, okay, in two years, everybody I was going to school with is going to graduate with a degree in the, in the degree that I was excited to, to have. The difference between them and me in two years is going to be how much experience can I fit into the next two years and make their competition to me irrelevant. And at the time I had taken a job at a Borders and like 
don't tell anybody this. I worked in the cafe at Borders and I was hand over fist permanently borrowing software books, technology books, strategy books, business books, nonstop. I like had this minimum wage crap job as a barista. And yet I would go home and absolutely fill my brain with uh, what I needed to learn. Mm -hmm. And I invested in a computer with the software that I needed. And I was like, in two years, nobody will be able to compete with me because I will already have implemented the skills that I needed. And I started to look for clients who would require that I would implement what I had learned reading in the book. So I've learned about web design. I'm going to sell my first website. And it was the first website I'd ever built. And I told her, yep, I know how to build a website. And I sat there with uh, the Dreamweaver book and Dreamweaver open, working with my very first client to build a website to finally go, okay, cool. I can website and I have a client and I have something in my portfolio. Next yeah. thing, oh man, I got to learn Flash. And like, the that that opportunity in that moment for me to abandon my dreams to assume that they weren't going to happen because of something that had happened to me never really occurred to me and later years later after i ended up in the startup industry and like i have i've done some really fun stuff in my career somebody asked me like wow you had this accident and you didn't even finish your education and yet i've been a college professor i've been in an innovation think tank i have multiple patents to my name how did I end up there, quote, without the education? Mm -hmm. And the answer was, I just, I just, it didn't occur to me to take no for an answer. And so that's really where like that fundamental experience early on taught me that there's going to be big, bad obstacles in life. Mm -hmm. And like, you can focus on those or you can figure out the way around it, get your head in the game and push through. And what kind of results? You've, you've talked a little bit about it, but like, what kind of results have you gotten because of having this this underlying assumption that you are just going to get what you want? Uh, you know, I think that I, I my my friends would say I live a rather unconventional life. Um, I, for example, I wanted to be part of the startup space that I saw in the world emerging on the West Coast at the time. I was in college in the Midwest, and that's kind of where I got trapped for a little bit doing my little borders thing. And I had so many uh, low-hanging fruit opportunities at that stage where because I was looking for ways to accelerate that by the time I moved to San Diego, I had a resume that nobody else could compete with. And I was able to find myself a job in the startup space within a matter of weeks when I first moved. And then by the nature of the the organizations I was working with, I was, you know, the the what is that book by Malcolm Gladwell where it's the inflection point? No, I forget what it is. Yeah. Uh we do I know the mean. one where yeah. he talks about how yeah. Bill Gates wasn't just an amazing talented genius. He was at a point in time at which he had access to incredible technology. He had access to unlimited school computer use. And that right. those things combined together to give him an opportunity. Well, the skill set that I had been teaching myself in my little home, in my apartment in the Midwest, ended up being an emerging technology that nobody else had the skill set to do when I began making my bones in the startup industry. 
And so suddenly I was there with a skill set that everybody had talked about, but I was one of the only people who knew how to do. And so the results of what I was able to do were demonstrated on a daily basis, which led me into being a leader in that space, uh, a lead of the team, teaching other people how to implement that technology. And then I continued for the length of my career to have jobs in which the title didn't exist until I had been doing that job for about five years. And that's kind of been the history of that. I was like, I was a user experience designer before that was a term. I was an accessibility designer before that was a term. And I've been on innovate, you know, it's just things like that one after the other where it just sort of opened doors. But then there's other areas where it just um, unconventionally gives me the opportunity to see something, feel the desire for it, and and make it a priority to do so to answer your particular question. Another area where this might apply. When I was living in San Diego, I would often go to Baja, Mexico for vacation. When I would go down, I would see all these snowbirds from Canada and the northern states who would go down there for this for the winter to escape the cold weather. And they're chilling, like they're in their RVs, living on the side of the ocean for three, four months at a time, having barbecues, having drinks, living the laid back life, all retirees. And I looked around and obviously I was there visiting and I made some connections and we're having fun hanging out together. And I looked around and I was like, I want this level of laid back lifestyle, but I don't want to have to wait till I'm 65, 70 to do it. And what happens? Four, five, six years later, one thing leads to another, to another, to another, to I've set myself up to the point at which I myself move abroad, living on a little tiny island in the in the Caribbean. Now I live in Boca del Toro, Panama living that laid back island life while still being deeply entrenched in modern technology and online business and growing and doing the things that I do, but doing it at a pace that suits me at a lifestyle that's very much reflective of my seeing something that I wanted and channeling that and looking at everybody else going, oh, you had to wait till you were retired to do that. I refuse to let that be the obstacle, right? Right. Yeah. So for those people who are going, that's so great that she has that in her, right? But that's just not me, right? Like that's not really where I am. And maybe you can walk us through if you dealt with any clients like this, but ultimately like, how do you, what, what advice do you give? How do you help bring that out of people? I think it's, I think it's really human design. It's our, it's our literal brain chemistry and the way that our subconscious looks for problems and places them in front of us, the way that our bodies and emotions are designed to keep us inside of our comfort zone is a true problem for all human beings, right? We're meat bodies. We're driven by little hormonal cocktails with crazy chemistry in our brain that sets us up for don't change shit, stay the same, stay the path, and don't do anything dangerous or uncomfy. And by the way, everything's dangerous and uncomfy if it's different. I'm like... <laughs> So if that's true, and that's true for everybody, then how do you overcome that in a way in which whatever it is that is your heart's desire, stop your your reaction to it isn't to continue finding the obstacles that are between you and that desire, that you're just committed to that desire, right? It's not whether or not you identify with wanting to live the island life. It's whether or not you have desires that you're committed to getting. And my advice in that particular context is to burn the bridge behind you. There's just something about 
especially for new entrepreneurs, I see this a lot where they begin building their business and they begin running into regular struggles that early stage entrepreneurs hit. Not enough clients. Oh my God, what am I doing? I don't know if my messaging is right. I'm trying to figure this out. I'm running into all of these things. And at that moment, many of us, and I'm guilty of it, have been like, oh, maybe we need to go back thinking a job. Our worst nightmare, right? All entrepreneurs, please, yep. chronically unhirable. <laughs> I can never go back, right? And yet in that moment, you have the opportunity when faced with the exit door of maybe I could go back and get a straight job to say, is that really an option for me? Like, is that really an option for me? I don't mean, could you? Of course you could. Yep. Anybody can go back, get a job. No big deal. But is that an option for you? No. I'm never going back to work for somebody else. Okay, then if you're never going back to work for somebody else, what is the path through this shit to get to the other side? And when we waste time job hunting, thinking about the worst case scenario, Googling opportunities and going, maybe I need to get my resume brushed up, we don't confront the obstacles that are in front of us. We're not moving towards our greatest heart's desire. And we're looking out the exit door going, I don't know, I don't know if I really picked this. I don't know if I really want this. And if you say to yourself with the truest conviction, I don't give, forgive my French. I don't, I, it's not French, it's English. I have a French client. She's always like, we don't say that in French. <laughs> forgive my French. But if it's, I just don't give a fuck, I'm moving forward. I'm going to find a way. I'm not going to take no for an answer. And that's not the same thing as not knowing when to quit. Uh, Brian Tracy is really famous for saying that, like, success is not about relentless beating your head against a brick wall. It's knowing when to quit, right? You need to know when something's not working and to be smart and move forward. But in the context of taking no for an answer, that's not the same thing as quitting, right? right. And taking no for an answer, whether that's my own discomfort, whether that's the obstacles that are in front of me, there's just, you get stuck on the obstacles instead of make progress to the actual impact and the desire that you're going after. And as far as I can see it, and in through all of my life experience, that all just seems like a massive waste of time, life, and energy force, right? So burn the bridge behind you so that you can't go back. Lock the exit door so that you can never walk through it again and go, it doesn't matter how tough this is. I'm going to find my way through it. And when you have that vibe and you have that energy, I'm getting chills just talking about it. You're channeling a part of yourself that says, yes, sweet little meat body. It's super uncomfortable. You're out of your comfort zone. Oh my God. And you just go, I hope you get used to it because this is where we live now. Right. And outside yeah. of your comfort zone is really where your destiny is. So Fuck it, let you go, man. You better let's be doing it. <laughs> yeah, let's yeah. go. Woo, yeah. discomfort. I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. Well, and ultimately, you're going to feel discomfort regardless, right? We, that's the human nature to feel discomfort in what you're doing. Exactly. You're going to feel discomfort in that job if you go back. You're going to feel discomfort every step of that way. So why not reach into your little bag of tricks and start telling yourself, I'm resourceful. I can solve yeah ones, right? Like maybe I can't, yeah. you know, be a, uh, you know, an astronaut. I'm only past my prime. Probably can't be an astronaut, right? But <laughs> if I have a certain dream, 
I still bring that dream in and find my own path, right? Like, and that's what you did ultimately, right? It's not a I like to I'm sorry to interrupt. I like the question, how might we, right? Because how might we opens up a lot of opportunities. Okay, it's too late for me to go to the moon in space today, but how might I incorporate that level of adventure and exploration and that level of excitement and and interest in the world and the universe and planets and galaxies? How might I bring that and make that part of my life is a way more interesting question than talking about how you can't be an astronaut because your time is passed. Ugh. Yawn. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's those, it's those questions. We were talking about this before we, we started our, our conversation online, right? It's about possibilities, right? The, and that's where questions are so helpful, right? You go, okay, so what was it about being an astronaut that was so important, right? And it's it's not probably the moon, <laughs> maybe, but like probably not, right? Like you said, it's the adventure, yeah. these other pieces. So then how do you get that, right? Like what, so ask, start asking questions. And I find that's one of the easiest ways to, when you're really going, I'm stuck. I'm literally going, I have to go back and get a job because this isn't going to work out. And just go step back and start asking some questions instead. And funnily enough, that's oftentimes where you start saying, oh, there's there's possibilities. Maybe I don't want to do any of those possibilities that I think of right away, but there's possibilities. Yeah. It's one of the skill sets that I learned when I was working on an innovation think tank because people who are willing to experiment and try wildly new things are a certain breed of people. But the nature of instilling an innovative culture inside of an organization requires being able to capture that innovative spark and make it available to anybody at any role at any level inside of the community or in that in that organization. And the way to do that is not to focus on all the ways that it wouldn't work before the conversation even gets started. It's to open the conversation with how might we solve this problem? How might we accomplish this outcome? How might we get this desire. And that puts everybody into a brainstorming, solution-solving mindset rather than a limited obstacle, problems, it'll never work, it's too hard, we're too stuck in the mud mentality. And that's that's some shit that people can really use in their own personal way of thinking about things. When you look at the work that you're doing and you think about what it is you want to do next and you go, oh, but I, ooh, and I, ooh. like, I get it. That's your subconscious is designed to throw those things in front of you because it's the experience that you know and that's your comfort zone. But when you ask yourself, how might I, there is no obstacle there because we're not committing to anything. And we're not even saying whether it's good or bad. We're just going, how might we? And then all of a sudden, in the context of brainstorming, looking for opportunities, you'll hit on the thing that makes your little gumption tingle. And then you know you've landed on something really spectacular and that desire and motivation that keeps us focused on something beautiful that we want to incorporate into our life or an impact that we want to have in the world or something that we want to do feels so much more attainable because we came at the question from a different angle. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about like, what's something you're taking on right now? Like, what's the next challenge for you? The real talk, I want <laughs> to be a major force in the world and known for what I do. When I look back at my career, um, and well, not, not just my career, but in my business and things like that, 
I spent so much of my time posting on my own talents and doing just enough to afford the kind of life that I wanted to live. And I don't know if it's getting older. I don't know if it's getting bored. I don't know what it is. But suddenly I have desires to be much bigger and much more impactful than I ever have before. And part of that means forgiving myself for not putting in the work prior to this, right? Because a big part of looking back is going, oh, I could have taken my business way more serious. I could have been so much farther by now if I'd have really just put my back into it instead of coasting. I could have, I could have, I could have, I could have. And yet that, again, doesn't serve me. And what I really want to do is like, you know, I want to be the Amy Porterfield's a great example. I want to be the Amy Porterfield of my expertise, right? I want to be the Amy Porterfield of community building. And to do that means that I need to go, how might I, even though I'm not taking the same path that she took, but it is deeply outside of my comfort zone in the context of things that I'm comfortable doing, things that I'm comfortable doing for myself, and and starting a path to an outcome that is completely novel and unknown to me, that's the tricky bit, right? Because there's it through the nature of working with my clients, I've had a lot of opportunities to travel their paths vicariously. Through the nature of my career, I've had a lot of opportunity to travel the paths of other businesses and organizations and services vicariously. Mm-hmm. And yet none of them, they all inform my path now a little bit, but none of them have the answer for what comes next. And walking through the mist on the path that goes towards the mountain that I'm looking to summit and where I can see the top through the clouds, but I can't see the path between here and there, it, that's that's where I'm headed next. That's where I'm headed next. I love it. So on the show, The Wealthy Woman, we talk a lot about wealth, but we talk, we really look at it from a different perspective, which is that, of course, wealth, unlike being rich, is about so much more than just money. It can't possibly just be about hitting a certain number in, in someone's bank account. So we ask all of our guests, what is it in your life or your business that really makes you feel wealthiest? Yo, so there's something about leaving city culture behind and living in a teeny tiny town on an island in the Caribbean that makes me feel deeply wealthy. My schedule is on my own terms. I don't have to sit in traffic. Um, I My life is far more slower, but the things that make me feel wealthy in that moment is being able to wake up in the morning and spend the first few hours of that morning with my boyfriend having breakfast, having some little romantic time, taking my dog to the beach, chatting a bit before he goes to work in the afternoon and I go to work in the afternoon. And then we do our work together. And then it's head out in the cool of the evening to enjoy the light, the town and what's going on there. And really the the things that make me feel wealthy feel so small because it's things like I have an e-bike with a little basket on it. And I taught my 60 pound dog when he was a puppy how to sit in that basket and there's just something about like putting a bluetooth speaker in the basket throwing my dog in the basket driving to a far off beach on my e-bike and swimming in the ocean that feels absolutely profound and beautiful and enriches my life and yet it's like why well, i went to the beach for a little bit and jumped in the water with the dog and yet when i'm riding the bike and i got my little music and my little dog's ears are flopping in the breeze 
I just, I well up with such delight and joy for the wealth that I feel inside of my life as a result of that. I love that. I love, I mean, there's so many elements there. Obviously, there's the the slowing down, the taking time, the being in the now, the creating a life that you've literally curated, right? That's literally the key thing yeah. you want to have when you want to have them. And also the reminder of how powerful nature is for us, right? And how much it is yeah. the centering point for us, um, right? It is that touching water on a regular basis, that touching the sand, like that does things to our soul that we need and oftentimes so often just push to the back burner. For Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. I was living a block from the ocean in San Diego and never really experienced that sort of level of uh, presence, I think, that I experienced the way that I do here, right? There was always so much more going on, so much more chaos. It also also really comes down to the fact that my wealth and the thing that I'm most grateful for is getting to live a life on my own terms, right? It's something that I committed to at that point in time early, early on and realizing like if somebody exactly like me could die and I didn't die, then I'm going to make sure that the life I live is on my own terms, whatever that means. And I'm not going to take no for an answer. And I'm going to follow my bliss, even if it's unconventional or different from how other people would would make their own. Well, and oftentimes that's exactly what we need to be doing. I think these labels, I mean, I, of unconventional, they're helpful in the sense that, you know, that uh, we can wear them proudly when we're a bit unconventional. But also it's a, it's like, who decides what's conventional? Who decides that we all have yeah. these cookie cutter lives that all have to be exactly the same in order to be happy? And then very few people actually sometimes end up even being happy with those cookie cutter lives, yeah. right? So, <laughs> um. Okay, so a tough lesson to learn. It it, it really is. So uh, I always ask all of my guests as well, the kind of uh, fun version. So what is the unconventional or outside of the box uh, thing that makes you feel really wealthy? And maybe you've already mentioned it. We'd love to hear about it. Well, there's two things. Living where I live, things like an Amazon order is possible, but infinitely more expensive. Not infinitely, more expensive, right? And so an Amazon order went from being something that I felt no feelings about whatsoever to something I deeply, deeply love and appreciate. And now I love the shopping experience and going, well, how heavy is it? And will it get here in time and how long? And I'm and I'm solving that in a different way. Yeah. And then I also really I, I know this like I don't I don't say this to sound like I'm such a good person. And I don't want it to come across that way, but I love having money to blow on the people that I care about. And um, when somebody in my life is going through a tough time, having gone through tough times in my life, I love being like, what do you need right now? Cool. Find it on Amazon, send it to them and blow their mind a little bit with, and I love having money where I can just go, how are you doing, babes? Let's go get drinks. No, no, it's on me. Like, I love being in a position in which I can be uninhibitedly generous yes. for whatever inspiring opportunity comes along for me to just like bless people and make life a little bit easier for the people around me. And I and I don't mean that to be like in any sort of any sort of um, moral position. I just that's how I love to spend money. And when I have the money to do that, Ugh, it feels so good. It feels just so freaking good. And that's what really makes me feel wealthy because even if it's 20 bucks to set somebody up with a dinner, 
there's an element of my like doing it in the moment that makes me go, yeah, man, I've really freaking made it. Like I made it. <laughs> to take care of my friends. I can do whatever. Yeah. Like this means this means this won't hurt me at all. And it's bringing me nothing but joy. Fuck yeah, I made it. That's fantastic. So speaking of making it, if our audience wants to get some part of working with you, support from you, just being around you more, how would they go about doing that? Uh, you can find me on social media at I Bottle Lightning on pretty much everything. Uh, I'm I'm 100% sure I'm the only starlight on LinkedIn. Uh, <laughs> BottledLightning.co is my website. Feel free to send me a DM, like be a part of each other's world. I am a community builder in name and profession. And I love connecting with people and finding out what's going on in their life because inevitably I'm a connector in my own life. And so when I see opportunities that are great fits for other people that I'm working with or that I just have in my orbit, I love sending it their way without a thought. That's kind of another way where I like to just be like, hey, I saw this, it's perfect for you, here you go. And they sail into an opportunity that um, I had an opportunity to do, but I can't do that until I get to know somebody and know what it is they need and what they're working on. And so um, let's be friends, like hit me up, say, hey, you know, <laughs> I love it. Yes. Let's be friends. Well, thank you, Starlight. We so appreciate you spending a time with us. Uh, I know the audience has gotten a ton out of this today. So thank you so much. It was such an honor to be here. Thanks so much for having me, Jackie. Hey, everyone. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more The Wealthy Woman podcast content, Make sure to subscribe, and here's a way we can help you for free. If you are a six, seven, or eight-figure female founder and CEO, we want to see and interview you on one of our podcast shows. Head to twwguest.com. Again, that's twwguest.com. I hope to see you on our next interview. Now, at The Wealthy Woman, we help six, seven, and eight-figure female founders and CEOs to scale their business by using unconventional approaches like leading-edge science and tapping into their unique authenticity code. If that sounds good to you and you want to get some help, then we're inviting you to book a short chat with our team to see how we can best help you. Go to www.thewealthywoman.com slash chat. Again, that's www.thewealthywoman.com slash chat.